Well, good evening. Usually I stop there and I keep going. Tonight I'm going to ask for you to say it back. So, good evening. It's good to see each one of you here tonight. Let's stand if you would with me. Turn to page 278. Page 278. We'll sing I Am Resolved. We'll sing verses 1, 3, and 5 to begin our service tonight. It's good to see each one of you out for the Wednesday night service. Let's sing it out together to begin page 278 on that first verse. I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delight. Things that are higher, things that are nobler, these have allured my sight. I will hasten to Him, hasten so glad and free. Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to Thee. I am resolved to follow the Savior, faithful and true each day. Heed what He saith, do what He willeth, He is the living way. I will hasten to Him, hasten so glad and free. Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to Thee. I am resolved, and who will go with me? Come, friends, without delay. Taught by the Bible, led by the Spirit, we'll walk the heavenly way. I will hasten to Him, hasten so glad and free. Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to Thee. Amen. Great start tonight. Preacher. Boy, it's sure good to be back in the Lord's house, and uh, sure thankful for our oasis in the desert. Amen. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight. Sure glad you're here. I'm going to ask Brother Steve Parker if you'd open us in a word of prayer tonight, brother. Amen. Won't you be seated uh, tonight? And uh, I do have quite a few announcements and, and things. If you uh, came in the outer foyer out there, there were sign-up sheets everywhere. Um, so we have, uh, of course, in, in March, uh, March the 17th, which is on a Friday, be hosting uh, the youth rally, the area-wide youth rally here at Faith Baptist Church. And sure, sure excited about uh, that. It'll start at 630 uh, in the evening, it'll start actually over in the gymnasium, uh, feeding all the kids uh, Chick-fil-A, God's chicken, amen, you got to have the Lord's chicken while you're here, and uh, so we'll feed them, and then they'll come over, and uh, we'll have a service uh, over here, a guest preacher, 
is uh, Brother Jason uh, Jett and uh, pastors, I believe it is, Eastside Baptist Church up there in, uh, uh, I believe it is it Sioux City, South Dakota, is that is that right? And uh, Sioux, I don't know. Anyways, it's in South Dakota, and uh, I'll get it all down here in a minute. I'm trying to familiarize myself with some areas here that I haven't, but I know Brother Jet very well, and a good preacher, and I know he'll be a blessing. Uh, we're also going to be having uh, guest music from uh, Glory Bound out of Heartland Baptist Bible College, and then they will actually be staying through with us uh, until uh, our services on Sunday morning. And so Brother Jamie Jett, Brother Jason Jett's uh, dad, is uh, actually the sponsor and uh, has been a, a longtime servant there at Heartland Baptist Bible College, and he's going to be preaching for us Sunday morning, and I know that he will be a blessing. But anyways, the reason I mention all of that is because there's a, quite a few sign-up sheets out there on the back table in the outer foyer uh, for things like, you know, uh, boxes of uh, bags of chips and uh, drinks and different things like that. And the reason is for the guests that are coming in, and we want to make sure that they get plenty. And so if you could help us out uh, with any of that, we would sure appreciate uh, that. We do have some other things uh, coming up uh, in the month of March. Of course, if you do have some kids in Faith Baptist School, make sure you're aware there's a field trip uh, March the 10th. That's on a Friday. And then church, don't forget about March the 11th is the church-wide outreach, and that'll be, again, that's Saturday, March 11th, and that'll be at 1030 in the morning. And then there are also some other sign-up sheets out there for some things coming up in the month of April. Uh, Of course, uh, April the 21st and 22nd is the ladies' retreat in St. Joe, and so any of our ladies would like to sign up uh, for that and attend that, you do need to sign up by March the 15th. And then also, uh, we are going to be having our missions conference in April, and so if you'd like to help out with our nursery uh, and uh, also uh, feeding our uh, guest missionary families that will be coming in on Wednesday uh, evening, and then of course the ladies' tea that will be on that Saturday, you do need to sign up for those things uh, as well. And so again, things are just kind of winding up, uh, getting going. We'll have our youth rally in March, and then our uh, uh, missions conference preacher is going to be Scott Nail, and he's just a dear friend, pastors out in Phoenix, Arizona, and he's going to, and looking forward and excited about the Lord uh, using him. He's planted two churches in his ministry, and uh, I believe he'll be a, be a blessing uh, to us. All right, if you got your prayer list out tonight, let's go ahead and uh, get those going. <clears throat> and uh, I got quite a few things that I wanted to update you on and uh, mention uh, as well. Um, we've been praying for Miss Carolyn Moore. Her uh, procedure, she has had a blockage uh, in her body, and she had a, was supposed to have a procedure on Monday. It actually got pushed back to Tuesday. And then I got a text this morning from Brother Mike Moore that the uh, procedure, it went, it went through, but it did not uh, work. And so they are uh, handing her off to uh, KU Medical and so if you would, just continue to pray uh, for her and Brother Moore, as well as the doctors and, and things like that, and just remember them uh, in prayer. Uh, on the third one down there, Brother Richard King, he is a longtime uh, preacher friend of ours, and uh, uh, just a real blessing, and uh, he was actually scheduled to preach 
the very first missions conference uh, here when, when, I was pa- when I started pastoring Faith Baptist Church, and he got diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and uh, saw uh, a day before, I think it was uh, Monday, where he actually ended up having a heart attack, and uh, they're putting a heart stem in uh, on him, and so if you would pray for him. And then also Brother Bob Nugent that's on our prayer list, uh, got to talk with him uh, uh, today, and he did get, he did have his uh, uh, PSA test for his prostate cancer, and it came back with really, really wonderful results, and so praise the Lord for that. That was a real uh, blessing. And then also uh, on the second column there, and uh, if you would pray for the Hannah Spradlin uh, family, that is uh, our daughter Madison, that was one of her sweet mates uh, there at Heartland and ended up getting uh, leukemia stage four and she ended up passing away last week, just a very young lady and uh, just a sweet, uh, sweet family and so if you would pray for them and uh, I know that they would certainly appreciate uh, that and so we, you can uh, take her off the prayer list there but, but keep her family on there on your prayer list for bereavement, I know they would sure appreciate uh, that. And then also I added on there on the very bottom of the second row, uh, Steve Katanic. That's Brother Don Katanic's brother. And uh, got a call from Brother Don yesterday. His brother had a massive heart attack and uh, ended up having a couple of them. Uh, brother Don flew to uh, Denver to be with him. He, I did get a text from him as well this morning that uh, things have stabilized and so thankful for that. And so just pray for Brother Don as he travels back. But also pray for Steve as well with the heart attack. Also pray for his need to be saved. Uh, I know he would sure appreciate that. And then just a couple that I wanted to mention. Uh, also, um, if you would pray for Brother Donnie and Miss Marilyn uh, Carr. They're uh, supposed to be traveling back, I believe, today, throughout the day. I don't know if they've made it in or not, but traveling back uh, from Papua New Guinea. I got a text from him. Uh, I think it was Monday, saying, I hope you hadn't forgotten about us. We hadn't forgotten about y'all, amen. So I said, nope, we hadn't forgotten. We've been praying. And so uh, thankful they had a great time uh, with uh, the Crotch family, our missionaries there in Papua New Guinea. And so pray for them as they travel back. Also, two more to add on there. If you would add on there, uh, Robert Christian, that's Miss Marie Christian's uh, brother-in-law for dialysis. They started him on dialysis, and so pray for him. And then also Miss Esther Glazeman is still uh, sick and, and uh, got quite a few battling uh, sickness and, and things like that. And so remember her <clears throat> in prayer. And he, again, it is good to see Brother Will <clears throat> doing good and thankful he didn't tear anything up or mess anything up. So you got to slow down, brother. You got Amen. So don't laugh too hard. I don't want you pulling anything. Amen. All right. Anybody got a prayer request or an update? All right. Miss Candy. Okay, can you say her name again? Okay. L-E-D-D-O. And she has breast cancer, you said? Okay, biopsy. Mercy. And then also for salvation and so let's pray for her absolutely okay so that's Issa Leo, uh, Lado and uh, let's remember her in prayer okay anybody else tonight yes ma'am Ms. Zodi yes okay how about that praise the Lord 
Okay, praise the Lord. You want to leave him on there? Okay. Man, that's amazing. That's a blessing there. Praise the Lord for that. I know them little fellows don't like to slow down either, so that'll be a good thing. So, All right, anybody else tonight? Okay, Miss Sue. My goodness. Okay. 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 Praise the Lord. Okay. All right. So thank the Lord for that. Miss Phyllis Randall's doing good. Pray for Brother David Randall. And then also pray for uh, the Zeke family for bereavement, uh, Jim Zeke. And so pray for them. All right. Anybody else tonight have a prayer request or an update or anything like that? Okay. Let's go ahead and have our men uh, come tonight. And um, <clears throat> there's quite a bit on here tonight. Amen. But sure thankful the Lord knows. And um, some blessings, but some burdens as well. And so let's pray tonight. Brother Rich Raymer, would you pray for us, brother? Amen. Amen. Stand one last time, please. Turn to page 440 with me. Page number 440, we'll sing verses 1, 3, and 4. A shelter in the time of storm. Page number 440. The Lord's our rock, in Him we hide. A shelter in the time of storm. Secure whatever ill be tied. A shelter in the time of storm. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land. A weary land, a weary land. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land. A shelter in the time of storm. 
The raging storm may round us beat, a shelter in the time of storm. We'll never leave our safe retreat, a shelter in the time of storm. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a weary land, a weary land. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a shelter in the time of storm. Oh, rock divine, oh, refuge dear, a shelter in the time of storm. Be thou our helper ever near, a shelter in the time of storm. Oh, A weary land, a rock in a weary land, a shelter in the time of storm. Amen. Great singing. Please remain standing tonight. Get your Bibles ready for the message. Amen. Well, Ephesians in chapter number six tonight. Um, just thinking about winding down this book, and man, it's been a blessing, hasn't it? And uh, I have enjoyed it, and uh, it has been a rich book because we have a rich salvation, amen? And so Ephesians and, and chapter number 6 tonight, and of course I believe the uh, very first word of our verse tonight kind of shows us we're getting to the end here, but Ephesians in chapter number 6 and verse number 10, uh, of course we last uh, left off looking at uh, the role of the employee and the employer. And so verse number 10 begins with this. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now notice the punctuation. It, is, it ends with, or it stops right there with a semicolon, meaning this, that verse number 18 deals with prayer. That's still talking about the armor of God to me. Listen, and I, and I would say this, if you have dealt with any kind of spiritual warfare whatsoever, then I think you'd understand, man, prayer's important in that. Look at verse number 18, praying always with, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication, for all saints, and it continues on there because no doubt Paul is in spiritual warfare as well. So this is what we're going to look at, or really begin looking at tonight. Father, thank you for the Word of God. Thank you tonight, Lord, for the armor of God. 
Help us, Lord, as we dive into this and begin to study it over the next several weeks. And God, just challenge us to be a people that have victory in spiritual warfare by putting on this armor. Help us, Lord, to understand these pieces. But even tonight, Lord, help us to understand our need for it. It's because we have an enemy and it's because we are in a warfare tonight. And so help us. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated tonight. As you uh, can see, the word finally that begins verse number 10, well, I would say to you that it not only speaks of the epistle of the Ephesians coming to a close, but it also speaks of a change in subjects. Paul has dealt with, really, if I could say it like this, just kind of stepping back and looking at this epistle as a whole, I would say to you, Paul has dealt with our salvation and what a blessing That has been to study that. Paul has also dealt with our walk after our salvation. How oftentimes you see the word walk beginning in chapter 4 and in chapter number 5. But but we also saw our roles throughout life, whether it be those roles within the home or even in the workplace as mentioned in the previous verses. And so now he is ending by encouraging the church at Ephesus to be strong in the Lord and to be uh, and in the power of His might. In other words, it's the idea to be faithful in these things. However, if you are going to remain faithful, then you must have on this whole armor of God that He goes into tonight. Armor, armor speaks to warfare, doesn't it? And and we are in a warfare tonight. Somebody say Amen tonight. We we are in a war, spiritual. Uh, warfare, And so the idea then is, is that just as he is saying to the church at Ephesus that you are in a warfare and if you're going to be faithful you need the armor on. Well I would say to you tonight, uh, Faith Baptist Church, that we are in a warfare and that we need the whole armor on as well. Alright, so now, now as you and I dive into this, I just kind of want to give you my heart on all of this so that you and I can get an understanding of the direction that that we want to go. And this is the way I wrote it down. I could very easily go through all of this tonight and we could preach it all in one message and, and call it good and move on to the next section. All right? I, we could do that. But here's the way I feel about it. I feel like if we'd done that, we would only begin to scratch the surface as to what this armor is, what it means, and all of those things. We wouldn't give the, the, the time that, that really it needs. And here's the other thing. Considering the casualty rate among God's people today, I think it'd be worthy for us to just slow down and take our time here. And so that's my intention here. I can remember several years ago kind of going through a series in Sunday school on this. And so uh, I, I just felt like it would be worthy that since we're going through the book of Ephesians that we would slow down and dive into this and kind of chew on this. And so that's what we're going to do tonight. And, and what we're going to start with it is this, is the need for the armor. And the idea behind that is this, is that sometimes before people can fully understand that not only are we in a war, but their need for the armor, then they've got to, they have to see their need for it. All right? They've got to understand, you, you are in a war tonight. All right? You are in that. And we do have an enemy tonight. All right? It's not, it's not the person at the end of the pew. All right, and it's not the preacher in the pulpit, it's the devil. All right, so we do have an enemy, 
And, and, and so we need to see not only those things, but even how he works so that we are inclined to put on the whole armor of God. Okay, and so that's what we're going to start with here in our text tonight. So good news, we're not going to preach all of these verses, but the bad news is I got a lot of notes, all right? So. <clears throat> Several, uh, or, well, us uh, being from Florida, most of our family still uh, living there. I am, I'm thankful uh, that we do have some family that, that uh, does uh, live near us uh, in Bolivar, Missouri. They live just north of Springfield, Missouri, and so this has allow, allowed us uh, pretty much most every year uh, to get together uh, with them, uh, typically around Thanksgiving time. We celebrate uh, the Thanksgiving holiday together, and we just, you know, we do probably like you do. We eat way too much, and just, and then we watch football through our eyelids and have a good time uh, in the Lord. Now, I don't, I don't know when it all started, but Nerf guns became very huge in our get-togethers. And I can remember uh, several years ago uh, where this all-out battle broke out. The dads teamed up together, and it just was all-out warfare for about two or three hours through the house. Kids running around, jumping around everywhere. Listen, you ate a lot. you got to burn us all so you can eat again. And so, man, we, I mean, it was awesome, and we were having a blast and, and, just, and just had a, a great time. And, and then I can remember the next year getting together, and I think it was at our house, and we were sitting there and watching the families pull up in their minivans. And I listen, and if you could have put it in slow motion, all the kids coming out with their, you know, uh, Nerf shotguns, you know, Nerf machine guns, Nerf pistols. Somehow a Captain America shield got stuck in there. I mean, just, just all kinds of, of stuff. These kids are unloading out of the minivan. And they're, they come out carrying, man. They're just loaded. And they're ready. You, you, what, what, what I'm saying to you tonight is this. They knew, they knew warfare was inevitable. You understand what I'm saying? What, what I'm trying to illustrate to you tonight is this. We need to have that same mentality when it comes to spiritual things. Friend, you, you understand war, war is inevitable. Y'all all right tonight? Did y'all, listen, I had Olive Garden for lunch and I went in a chicken parmesan coma, but I'm awake tonight. All right, listen, wake up, friend. Listen, we are in a war. We are in a war. And war is inevitable. And, and when we do this, here's the thing, when we understand this, then not only will we see our need to put on the whole armor of God, but we will put it on like we're supposed to. I think sometimes we got to recognize that because some of us tonight go, oh yeah, I know these things. Yeah, you know these things. You just ain't wearing it like you're supposed to. That's why it's so quiet in here is because everybody goes, we know this stuff. Yeah, we know this stuff, but we just don't do this stuff. So you understand there's these things. Listen, uh, this is the way I put it. The Lord Jesus Christ is the master teacher. All right? And he, and he would often take something very common of the day and use it to make a spiritual application. We, we call these things parables, an uh, uh, earthly scene with a heavenly meaning. And the reason that I bring that up is because I believe... That's exactly what Paul is doing in our text. As the city of Ephesus was under control of the Roman Empire, there can be no doubt that the Roman soldier was a familiar sight to these believers. And so what Paul is saying here is this, is that just as these soldiers have their armor on, they are, they are prepared to engage 
in a physical warfare, well, we as believers in Christ need to be prepared to engage in a spiritual warfare by having our armor on. And, and so that's the idea of laying this out. But what he does is this, is that before he goes into the details of all of this armor that they need to have on, he begins to show them the tactics of the enemy in verses 11 through 13 to say this, this is why you need this armor on. Because you are in a warfare, here is your enemy, and here's how he works. You, you know, you, you ever thought about this? The tactics of the enemy in warfare often determine the armor that's needed. You ever, you ever think about that? I can remember, I, you know, I, I remember in, in being in high school, and, and uh, I, I think it was the uh, Gulf War and stuff that was uh, getting ready to take place, and, and guys that were uh, signing up for that and, and going into that. And, and, uh, and then I remember the Iraq War and, and things like that. And I remember in the Iraq War that the, the tactics of the enemy changed. All right? They had what was called these IEDs. Does anybody remember that? Uh, they, these roadside bombs where they had them remotely set up and they could use a a cell phone or whatever to, to dial a number or however they did it and it would blow up and it would blow up our uh, whatever, you know, our convoy of, of troops and things like that that were in their Humvees. And so here's what the military did. They started building heavily armored Humvees. And the reason that they did that was because it, it would withstand those IEDs and it would minimize their casualties. And what I'm saying to you tonight is this, that's exactly why we need to take our time right here and understand both the armor and the tactics of the enemy. It's to minimize the casualties in our day and time. Because we are, we are having way too many of them. You, you know, this is what I begin to, as you begin to just kind of look at this, this, this is what I, I feel like that one of the things Paul is saying here is this, is, and, and I believe this is true. Most of God's people don't even realize we're in a spiritual warfare. And I think you can even get that from this text. Notice in verse 11, Paul, after encouraging them to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might, he says this, to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And look at verse number 12, because he points out to them and says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against the spiritual, against spiritual wickedness, in high places. In other words, it's almost like Paul is saying this. He is pointing these things. Hey, this is what we wrestle against. And he's showing them this because of their ignorance to it. To which I would say to you, I, I think a lot of times we need to understand this as well. Because we got a lot of people that don't realize this. I, uh, one of the things I have done in the past is I have written down uh, quotes of men that I've heard preaching. And they may say something really uh, good that just speaks to me or something along those lines. And so I write it down in the front uh, blank pages of my Bible. And one of, the favorite, one of my favorite quotes that I have that I wrote down was Brother Dave Hardy preaching years ago at a men's advance. And he said this, he said this, he said, most believers today live like they are on a playground instead of a battlefield. And that's true. You know what, it, it, listen, it, it's almost like we... We, we indulge ourselves, and, and I'm not picking on you tonight, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to me tonight. It's almost like we indulge ourselves in the things of the world 
And then we dabble a little bit here and there in spiritual things. But then we step back and we can't wonder why our our kids are a mess, our marriages are struggling, our families are battling, and our churches are closing their doors and dying off. Well, here's why, friend. It's because we're in a spiritual warfare. That's why. And make make no mistake, listen, I I hope that you're saved, and I hope every person that's sitting here tonight knows Christ as their Savior. If you don't, tonight needs to be the night that you get saved and you get it nailed down. But make no mistake, the very moment that you get saved doesn't mean the battle stops. It means another one starts. The battle for your soul is over, but you just, you are entering into a spiritual warfare, friend. And you cannot be ignorant of that. If any soldier in a physical battle just went into the battlefield and was just walking around, hey guys, how's it going? Boy, man, we had a great, just blah, 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 pow, he's going to die right off the bat. And it's no different with God's people today. It's just almost like we're ignorant to the battle that's going on around us. Friend, you cannot be that way. And Paul is demonstrating that. And something else I think to note here is this, is the tendency that we have that even those of us that do know about the battle, but yet we don't do everything that we can to make sure that we're winning the battles and we're living in victory. Look at what he says in verse number 11. He says, put on the whole, notice that word, whole armor of God. And look at verse number 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. Do you see that? He doesn't just say, well, you just need a piece or two. Well, you better get that helmet of salvation on, but don't worry about the girdle of truth or the shield of faith. No, 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 no. Paul says you need all of it. Why? Because it's just like I read in my Bible reading this morning where Jesus told Peter, Satan seeks to sift you like wheat. And son, make no mistake, his ways hadn't changed. We're going to see that in a minute. He seeks to sift you like wheat and me like wheat. And so I'm saying to you, friend, he's looking for the chink in the armor. He's looking for the place where you didn't put the piece on so that he can shoot the fiery darts and take you out. Listen, you can have the you can have a helmet on in battle, but if you don't have any armor on right here and he hits you in the heart, it's over. And that's physical warfare. And my friend, it's 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 so important in spiritual warfare as well. Let me let me give you some things tonight. As we understand that we're in a warfare, we're seeing way too many casualties and we, we have this armor here that we, we can put on. But what I want us to see tonight is why we need to put this on, the reason for, for the armor. And Paul really begins to lay this out. Listen, it's because of the tactics of our enemy, Satan. He necessitates that we have this armor on. Look at verse number 11 and let me give you some reasons as to why tonight. And let's dive into this. He says, put on the whole armor of God. And here's why. That ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That's one reason why right there. The wiles of the devil. The word wiles, that's a pretty interesting word. It's probably worth underlining if you're one of those note takers and things like that. Maybe in the margins of your Bible. It is the Greek word methodia. And if that rings a bell, well, that's where we get our English word method from. All right? But wiles also means this. It means trickery. All right? So you understand that we have to conclude this then when thinking about that, that Satan's primary method in warfare is this, deception. 
And wouldn't that be true when you look at the Scriptures as the whole? I mean, listen, when he, when he first appeared to man in the Garden of Eden, didn't He use deception to lure Eve in? In partaking of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Yea, hath God said? He put a question mark where God put a period. A little subtle change, a little, a little deception, and, and she fell for it, and he fell for it, and now we're in the mess we're in. Even the Lord Jesus said this in John 8, 44. Hear of your father the devil and the lust of your father ye will do. Listen to this. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. Now my friend, please understand this. When you get to the end of the Bible in Revelation during the tribulation days, Guess what's going to be the primary characteristic of the devil? Deception. This is what he says in Revelation 12, 9. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. Now let me ask you this, friend. I believe this. We're getting close. We're getting close. And can you not, listen to me, can you not see the constant deception that is going on in our day and time where good is evil and evil is good. Somebody say amen tonight. You understand? Because we're in a warfare, friend. It's a spiritual warfare. And I'm just saying to you that things are setting up for the devil to take over and, and, to, and to his antichrist and all that stuff. And, and praise God, we that are saved are going to be out of here. But here's the thing. When the Lord Jesus comes for me, I want to be found faithful. Well, how? How do I I stand strong and in the power of His might and not give in to this deception by having the whole armor on? And and, and so you understand that that's the way that the devil works. So understanding that he operates through trickery, through deception, through through these wiles, then, then the question then becomes, okay, how does he try and deceive us? To which I would say much of that answer can be found in the things that the armor of God protects. Doesn't that make sense? I mean, come on, if he tells you to put on the girdle of truth, truth, deception, hello, kind of counteracts that, doesn't it? You think about this girdle of truth, and I believe this, this this has to do with the understanding and assurance of what is right and what is wrong. And by the way, here's how you determine what is right. And what is wrong? Sanctify them in thy word. Thy word is truth. John 17, 17. Son, you should have been in chapel today. I already preached this. That's what I was preaching to the kids who were talking about righteousness. And here's what I said. Righteousness is determined by this. It's not determined by what you think or I think is right. Because sometimes what we think is right may not be right according to what God thinks. So we got to understand this, but here, but but you understand that that's the idea here is is to you know that that girdle of truth it it helps us to understand what is right and 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 don't you under listen and oh come on listen I, I don't want to get ahead of myself because this will be the message next week but don't you know that the devil loves to put a cloud on truth so that we can't know what truth is I mean that's exactly what he did with Eve in the garden put a question mark where God put a period. 
Just a little subtle change like that, and it changes everything. And so God puts out another little version of the, or the devil puts out another little perversion of the scriptures, another little perversion. Is anybody catching this? It's wicked. It's ungodly. And you understand, listen, and, and boy, in our culture today is loving this because even in our culture, something like the subject of truth has become subjective. There's no absolutes anymore. What, what may be true to you is not true to me because your background is different than my background and, and all of the... No, 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 no. That's, that's not... You understand? There, there is an absolute. Does anybody get what I'm saying to you? And, and so I'm just here, here's the thing. When you start dealing with stuff like that, listen, that creates a truckload of confusion. And people don't know what is right and what is wrong anymore. And people are confused and they don't know what's truth or anything and they have nothing to trust in and they have no hope. Praise God, we don't have to live that way. We can have the girdle of truth on and we don't have to live that way. What about the breastplate of righteousness? Boy, here we go. Man, chapel time. That, well, this too is the, one of the main areas of Satan's attacks. Though, and, and we could talk about the confusion of what is right and what is wrong, but here's another area, and I think this sometimes, even where God's people can be, is that we become hearers of the Word but not doers of the Word. And we know what's right and what's wrong, we just don't do what's right. And, and, and when, we're, when we're living in that way, He works to lure us with the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes in the pride of life and he'll deceive us through those things of this world in making those things appear to offer us fulfillment but in the end they always fall short the vices of this world will never leave you with the peace and the joy and the satisfaction that doing right can what about the boots of the gospel of peace Satan will find other places for your feet to go and other things for your feet to do besides giving out the gospel to those who need it what about the shield of faith this is what you believe and why you believe it and like truth and righteousness it's defined by the word of God and Satan will shoot his fiery darts at it through false doctrine and false religions and try to discourage us from taking a stand on the word of God because no one is anymore when that's simply not true people are but I'm just saying to you, listen, the helmet of salvation that guards the mind because Satan will oppress you and I with guilt and discouragement from trusting in God's Word and the promise of salvation. Listen, I could go. I, we're going to go into greater detail in all of these as we go down through here. But the, po- the point is to say this. These are the many areas where Satan tries to attack and to throw his trickery and his wiles in His deception, but it's the armor of God that keeps us from those things, protects us from those things. Friend, I don't want to live in confusion. And I don't want to live in chaos and where everything is turned upside down and there's no peace and there's no contentment and there's no joy and there's no sadness. I don't want to live that way. Then how do I get out of that, preacher? Put on the armor of God. That's how you get out of it. Put on the armor of God. Here's a look at number 12. Look at verse number 12. He says this, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's not a physical warfare. It's not. Well, I got my armor on. I got my AR-15 and my not. Well, that's great. And shoot it up all you want to. But you need the spiritual armor on. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. 
And, and so here's the idea. What he's saying is he's laying out why you and I need the armor on. And he says this, number one, because you're facing the wiles of the enemy, the devil. But also this, you are wrestling against darkness. You're wrestling against that. Unseen forces that operate around us. And the Bible speaks of those things. I want you to hold your place there, if you would, in in Ephesians. I need a little Bible marker here. I left my I left my hanky. Try not to sweat. Go to Ezekiel in chapter twenty-eight. I just want to lay something out here for you, real real clear here. It's in the Old Testament, I want you to see something here. Well, Brother Quinlan took us through Ezekiel in the men's Bible study a while back, and it was just a real blessing. Ezekiel twenty-eight. It's something I've pointed out oftentimes and even going through the book of Daniel and things like that we've looked at. Ezekiel 28, verse number 11 here, starts a very well-known Old Testament passage on the devil. Look at what it says. It says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in, the Eden, thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy, that was uh, every precious stone was like covering the sardius, the topaz, and the diamond, and the beryl, and the onyx, and the jasper, and the sapphire, and the emerald, and the carbuncle, and the go- and gold. The workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou wast thou hast uh, thou hast walked up. Down in the midst of the stones of fire, thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. Now, obviously, now notice in verse number 12 there, okay, Ezekiel's told to take up a lamentation, meaning a cry of judgment against the king of Tyrus. But I think it becomes really clear as you look down here, this is not talking about a man, it's talking about the devil. He was in the Garden of Eden, right? Come on, he was in the Garden of Eden, he was the anointed cherub, he was on the Mount of God. He was perfect until iniquity was found in him. And we know from Isaiah 14 that iniquity was pride. Wanted to be like the Most High. Right? But now go back to Ezekiel chapter 28. Look at verses 1 and 2. It says, The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, came again unto me, saying, Son of man, say unto the prince of Tyrus, Thus saith the Lord God, because thine heart was li- is lifted up. And thou hast said, I am a God. I sit in the seat of God in the midst of the, in the, midst of the seas. Yet thou art a man and not God, though thou set thine heart as the heart of God. So here is the address to the prince of Tyrus. Now watch this. Humanly speaking, this is really the king of Tyrus. Catch that? Humanly speaking, this is really the king of Tyrus. And in verse 2 it says that he is a man. But you can also see the influence of Satan in his life. Because it says he lifted himself up as God. That's exactly what the devil did, didn't he? Now, now watch this. Now, here, here's the thing. This is why I want you to see this. Because there is a reason. Now, watch this. There is a reason why Satan is called the king and the, and the king is called a prince. It's because in the spiritual realm of things, Satan is the one with the influence over the king. And Satan has influenced him to act just like he is. 
Let me, let me ask you something. Why, why, do you think, why do you think the nations, the nations over the Middle East in our day and time hate Israel so much? You ever think about that? I mean, really, because all they want to do is just live there. In the, and you say, well, it's because of the land. It's not really about the land. Is everybody catching this? Because the reality is this, before Israel was ever organized as a nation in 1948, or recognized as a nation in 1948, you understand before that ever happened, the Israelites were already occupying the land. It's not about the land, it's about a satanic influence. It's about a spiritual warfare. Go and study Daniel chapter 10. I would encourage you to go and study Daniel chapter 10. There is an angel that showed up to Daniel. It's not Jesus Christ, it's an angel. That shows up to Daniel and he had to first win a battle with the prince of Persia, Persia, which was a satanic angel that was over the kingdom of Persia. What I'm trying to get across to you is this, is that all throughout the scriptures it shows us that there is a spiritual warfare that goes on in an unseen world to the human eye. And we need to also understand this, that where Ezekiel shows us that on a national level, please get this, it also happens on a personal level. Take your Bibles and go with me to first, or 2 Corinthians chapter number 10 quickly. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. Let me show you something here. Look at, look at, this is the same or very similar warning here to the church at Corinth about spiritual warfare. Now watch what he says, okay? In 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3, 4, and 5, and I want you to catch this, and we're going to get to an application here. Look at verse number 3. He says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh, right? He says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringeth into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And I'm going to stop reading right there. Now, here's the thing. Paul is reminding the church at Corinth that they too are in a spiritual warfare. Okay? Right? All right, and he mentioned, he talks about this, he talks about these strongholds right here. All right, and probably all of us have heard this, said amen to these things and all of this, but what I have found is this, is that over the years people acknowledge this, but they don't really think about it and understand what it really means. Well, strongholds are fortresses, all right? And, and what it is, is these are areas that Satan has fortified in your life and in mine. He's done it through the vices of this world, the, the sins of the flesh, all right? And, 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 and you got to understand, my besetting sin may not be your besetting sin, but we all got them, all right? And you and I have got to make no mistake, the devil has been tempting man and working like this and deceiving man for some 6,000 years, and he knows what he's doing. He may have packaged it a little bit different, honey, but he's real good at it. He's real good at it. And this is, this is what I've seen before. This is what I've seen before. Every time, every time God is trying to do a work in someone's life, please listen to this, the devil is right there trying to strengthen that stronghold. 
every time. And, and, and what happens is this, is that where God's seeking to get a victory and to tear something down, the devil is right there and he's trying to get you, he's, all, he's throwing temptation at you and he's trying to pull you away from God. And the moment that you give into what he offers, that's the moment that he fortifies his stronghold. He strengthens it. And he's good at that. Listen, and I, and I realize tonight it can be some kind of vice like an addiction to alcohol, uh, drugs, pornography, gambling, th- those kind of things. But uh, listen, it can, be, it can be other things tonight. It could be something like unbelief. It could be insecurity. It could be anger or bitterness that someone battling with, discouragement or, or depression. And what I'm saying to you is this, is that where God wants to do a work, the devil is right there trying to strengthen the stronghold. He's right there, friend. He's right there trying to do a work. He knows when the revival meetings are coming up. No, 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 no. I'm not trying to make, I'm not trying to ascribe the same attributes to the devil that God only belonged to God. I'm not trying to do that at all. He's not omnipotent. God is. And he's not all powerful. God is. And he's not all knowing. God is. But at the same time, he can read a flyer on the door out there. He can read the sign out in the front of the church. He hears the things that we say. He, I, I would venture to say he, he knows the, the messages that we're going to preach. He sees it on my computer. I'm, I'm, they're typing. I'm just saying to you, he's not ignorant of these things. It's spiritual warfare. And this, this is, and, I, and I'm just telling you, he knows, and, and I've, I've been pastoring long enough to see this, because here's, here's okay, and I'm just trying to be transparent with you if I can a little bit. Sometimes as a pastor, you know where certain people are at. You know what I'm saying? Because you love them, you're praying for them, you're ministering to them. You just know those things and you know where they're at. And there can be times where, and I've seen this just down through the years, not even talking about being here at Faith Baptist Church, just down through the years. And, 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 and for the longest time, I really was just like, man, it would just frustrate the daylights out of me until I started studying this and realized what was going on in spiritual warfare. But there'd be times where I'm sitting at the computer and I'm like, and I'm, and I'm going through this and I'm thinking, and the Lord's just bringing somebody to my mind that, man, and I'm thinking, man, I, I hope and pray that they are there Sunday or they are there Sunday night or Wednesday night, whatever the service is, and God can use this to help them to get them victory. And this is what happens. They miss it. They miss it. They miss the service. And it's always because something happened or something, or they messed up or they, fe- they, they got a temptation came along. Is everybody getting this? And don't you sit back and go, well, you know, preacher, that's just kind of coincidence. No, it's not. No, it's, it's, it's the devil working in your life and in mine to where he knows what, when God wants to tear down a stronghold in your life and in mine, and he's right there going, mm, let's, let's strengthen this up. Let's make sure of this. You, you don't need to go to church tonight. Here's something really cool on TV. Here's a ball game taking place you need to watch. Hang out with your friends tonight. It'll be much more entertaining than going to church unless that guy yell at you for an hour. <laughs> what? Who doesn't love this? Here, here's... Well, come on, you just go down the list. Here's a little something to throw at you. I know where your flesh is at tonight. Here's a little. Here's some chicken parmesan. 
Go back into that coma you were in, right? He knows what he's doing. He's wily. And I'm just telling you right now, we wrestle against darkness, friend. It's a spiritual battle. And here's the last thing, and I'm through tonight. Look at verse number 13. Here's why you need the armor on. He says this. Let's go back to our text there in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, Wherefore, take, take unto you the whole armor of God, watch this, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. See, you got the wilies of the... Uh, of the the devil, the the wrestling against the darkness, and here's why. Here's why. The last reason why is this: so that you can, you and I can withstand in the evil day. It's pretty interesting this little phrase, "evil day," because really, when you study it out, it kind of has a twofold application. Okay, the first one I think would be pretty like we would all recognize it. Um, it, it would be generational, as in the sense that. We're living in an evil day and time. Um, I would say to you, listen, if Paul thought the days were evil, we definitely could say the days are evil. I mean, listen, we're in the last days. And the last days are characterized by things like this, perilous. Perilous is not good. Nobody goes, oh, perilous. No, that's bad. Evil, that's the last days. And we're living in those days. No, no doubt about it. And so therefore we need the whole armor uh, of God. But, but here's the second application of that. And I, and I want you to catch this. It also implies, listen to this, those times where Satan attempts to either strengthen or reestablish that stronghold in your life. That too is an evil day. Yeah. See, either either way, the point is to say this: we need the whole armor of God. Because if we're going to be the faithful, if we're going to be faithful to Christ in those times, we we've got to have this thing on, whether it be whether it be a lifetime of serving the Lord Jesus Christ or whether it be one of those brief moments where the devil just seems to be working overtime and there is this oppression, there are these battles that maybe sometimes nobody even knows about, but he knows, but he knows. And the word withstand just simply means this, resist. Resist it. James tells us that when we resist the devil, he will flee from us. And the more we learn to resist him, the more we will have victory. The more we learn to resist him, the less influence he has in our lives and the more that Christ does in our life. And the more we resist Him, the more we go from being powerless to being powerful. Not because of who we are, but because of who dwells within us. Greater is He that is in us than He that is in this world. I'm just telling you tonight, we're in a war. 
This is the enemy, friend. But you and I don't have to live in defeat tonight. Let's all stand.